Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Well... Some of the news here in the last 12 hours, Washington Post, stating that uh, DeSantis is in. Privately, he said he is in. His PAC uh, started operating operating yesterday, and so mm. he is in. All right. Well. It will be interesting. Yeah. Now we've got interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and then we're, there were two. I mean, I know technically there are four, but it really is going to get down to two. <laughs> Everybody knows it's going to get down to two. Uh, so uh, we'll see where that goes. The if if he jumps in, uh, you know, um, the the word is according to the report that he's going to wait until after the legislative session there in Florida, uh, which is uh, uh, runs through May. And if he jumps in in early summer, then that means he's, you know, prepared for whatever debates. I don't know how I would I, I really can't wait to see that first debate. Because it appears if this story is correct, it appears he's not going to wait until, you know, later in the year to jump in. Uh, you know, I could be wrong, but that's what it, the impression is, is that he, he will get in uh, in likely early summer. Which means that uh, we'll see him in that first debate. Now you think about it. The first debate's in August. Mm-hmm. I don't know when the second debate is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's in September. Whether I, I don't know how far it's spaced apart. But you look at it and you say, all right, everybody is waiting for you to get in. The mm-hmm. long Everybody knows you're going to get in, mm-hmm. going to get in. Mm-hmm. It's all out there, but you're not officially in. Yeah. So the anticipation is there. Do you want to be a part of the first debate? Or do you let Trump go up against uh, minor candidates who may be much more willing to attack Trump and therefore Trump's response is exactly what you want against those minor candidates? Uh, sure. And I, and I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. Or, I'm, I'm making... or he could see it as, look, he's prepared to be up there in that entire, you know, by the time they get there. I don't know how many, let's say Pompeo and Pence jump in and Bolton gets in, uh, <laughs> you know, and then, Kasich. yeah, John, not Michael. Um, and so, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> I would pay to see Michael Bolton get in. <laughs> 
So, so if, uh, you know, so let's say you've got eight or nine of them up there. Um, it also stands to reason that he could see it as, uh, all right, everybody, basically it's going to be everybody against Trump at that point, which is really it because the question for the, the party, the rank and file in the party is, is Trump still the guy? That's the question. Yes or no. And if not, then who? And it would be, according to the polls, DeSantis. So, you know, I could see him saying, look, we get up there with the entire pool and everybody's going to be, you know, playing against Trump, you know. And 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 I can debate anybody. I'm not afraid to debate anybody. So I don't see him sitting it out, but could be wrong. Maybe he does. Yeah, because why not sit it out? Why not have everybody just going against Trump? And but but again, I mean, here's the chance you take if Trump performs well and you're not there, then Trump can boast the fact of where's DeSantis? They, well, we he's know, afraid, know he's going to run. He's afraid to debate. He's afraid to debate. That's that actually going point. to be yes. the, uh, pretty much the only point uh, that he will consist that Trump would consistently make during that debate if if DeSantis decides to set it up. And I wouldn't risk that because DeSantis doesn't have to. If he's jumping in, he's not afraid to debate Trump now or anytime. So you get in and you and you and you play to win here. Here would be my here would be my concern if I'm a political analyst. Remember a couple of remember a couple of years, a couple of elections ago. Remember, they had to have two separate debates. Mm-hmm. We had like, well, how many candidates were there? 18 or something. Something like and that. So, 17 or 18. So you yeah. have the lower tier and then the upper tier. Yeah. 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 And you just got lost yeah. in it all. Right. Now, I don't believe you're going to have 18 here. I think there'll probably only be enough for one because you look at it. You do right. have yeah. you do have nobody knew in the beginning whether Trump was going to be as strong of a candidate. You don't know, Dave. You, you don't know that, you know, that first debate. That's mm-hmm. always up in the air. Mm-hmm. After that debate, you got into September and October. And then you got into really October, November, and December. The whole swamp thing came, and I think that's where Trump. I I do remember. I can't remember what it was. I do remember in September of fifteen, and I don't know what it was that Trump said. And I remember we're on the air, and I said, "Wow, he just became the guy." And I don't know. I can't remember what it was, but I remember it was September. And I don't know if it was in a debate. I don't know if it was had to do with um, I don't remember exactly when the term the swamp came. I know that when when uh, when did uh, I'm trying to think of what was the month that Ryan took over for uh, for uh, Boehner Boehner. It was definitely it was in the fall. I mean, I know it was in between yeah. September that it really it was in September, and I remember thinking he's got all the momentum now, and it might have been the wall, it might have been illegal immigration, might have been the swamp, it, it might have been the fact that he was articulating articulating all the issues the way that he needed to articulate the issues, and we went, wow, there's nobody else there, and in this election, most people, most, and again, it's Republicans, and I think you hit it right there. The question is, is Trump the guy? Mm-hmm. And if it's not Trump, it's DeSantis. Yeah. That's really it. 
I because, mean, because the, the one question that has to be asked or answered, and it will be answered through the process, is Trump still the guy? Or is he going to be the guy again, or however you want to? And it. and I don't think necessarily because you know they they get into all the issues and 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 all this, and it'll be interesting to see, you uh, know, you know on on the debates, you know, it, because one of the problems with primaries is they never really focus in on the, the the primary debates when the liberal networks covered it and had their people there. They never covered the issues that were important to the Republicans. Mm-hmm. They covered the issues that were important to the far left. Yeah. 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 And it was okay. Who, what Republican can we make feel uncomfortable, mm. or uh, maybe peel an independent off, yeah, uh, right. or whatever? Right. And I think the Republican Party has seen that and said, "Well, we need to be discussing things. We need to be discussing the issues of what the Republicans want." But Trump and DeSantis and Nikki Haley and Ramaswamy. Mm-hmm. They all have the basic, you know, just to use that. And if Pompeo gets in on the five or six domestic issues that are important to Americans, they all hold the same opinions. Yeah. And I yeah. think it, so I don't think this election comes down. We all know what the Republican Party agrees on. Yeah. And what yeah. they should do. Right. So it simply comes down to electability. And so I think it's going to be. The presentation is, and that's why, that would be why, that would be on the side of, no, DeSantis has to be in from the first debate. Because yeah. you're immediately looking for you that, n- number one, you'd never give Trump the ability to say, why wasn't he up here? We all know he's going to run. Why is he afraid of me? Is he afraid of me? You know, you never want to get it to that point. But this is this is an election where it's simply electability. And you think about it, for Democrats, that's what it was in the last election. Yeah. Remember, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was the push in South Carolina for Biden. Mm-hmm. Remember the panic? We got to win. We got to yeah. win. Yeah. You can't win with these other people. They're nuts. Right. Biden's nuts. He just pretends he's not, and people are buying it. <laughs> well, and, you know, one of the indicators, too, is the money and the money at the state levels. And uh, Trump visited two states uh, a few weeks ago. What was it? New Hampshire and was it North Carolina or South Carolina? And it was behind the scenes. It really was about gauging if that money was going to come in or not. That's the huge question. And because the money indicates that there is confidence by the party in those states. And that's how you build it, state by state. And so uh, behind the scenes, the money has been building, according to reports, uh, the, the money's been building very, very strongly for DeSantis. Mm-hmm. And if that is the case in all the major states where he would be expected to win, um, and in some where, I mean, you know, it, it's in the primary, it, it's, you know, it very clear. But, I mean, even in other states where you see independents wanting to, jump in and 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 they there's indication of that kind of support then that could be the thing that is okay we're in and and yeah it's not going to be pretty but we believe we're going to win the uh nomination and and uh and we're going to go for it and that's a big deal that's the the money is i i've 
had conversations with um I had an opportunity in fact to talk to uh one uh I would classify them as a big donor. They, the media wouldn't classify maybe this person as a big donor, but they're they're a pretty big donor. And I've had a conversation with that person during a and I've known this person for a long time. And I've had the conversation uh with this person over the years about, you know, it, I just find it fascinating, you know, how all that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I am not a big donor. <laughs> it's the it's the thought that counts. <laughs> so when you know when I have conversations, it's you know, and and I had a chance. Well, actually, I didn't have the perfect opportunity, so I didn't take it uh, to talk to this person um, earlier this week. And I didn't. Uh, I wasn't able to do that because I I really am curious as to as to where uh, that money. Uh, is going to go and it's it's um you know it's in a key state and so i look at that and and really the media i think again according to these reports has been doing a lot of work on that to say to see okay where is the money going uh the money wasn't strong in those two states that that trump uh was visiting earlier uh he's also been but trump has also been very good at 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 uh the grassroots thing uh, you know go buy the where's hunter t-shirt on his website or go buy the, you know, the MAGA hat or whatever it is. And, and those are the grassroots things that I think his branding, uh, uh, still to a certain extent is going to build a lot of money, but you need that big money coming in. You need the big donors in order Here, to get you. There. Here's, here's, cause we've talked about the problem of, of donors and it's this simple. It's a very simple thing. They look at the polls and they look at the internal polls. Yep. And they see, you know, that, Trump in the majority of the internal polls for the primary leads. But in the majority of the polls, Trump can't beat Biden. DeSantis does. Mm. Yeah. End of story. Right. Because the donors want to win. Yeah. Yeah. They're not putting. No, you know, they, this isn't a gamble. They, they, this is it's, it's, it's not, not a roulette right. wheel. Yeah. No. Yeah. They want to and, and win. And that's the problem that. That's a problem. Fairly or not, I'm just telling you what the problem is. That's yeah, that's right. a problem for Trump right now, mm-hmm. and that's why the donors are right now leaning towards DeSantis. Right, and it's that yeah. simple. Yeah. Because you look at it and go, yeah, but Trump leads in all the in all the primary, but well, not all, but mm-hmm. a significant portion of the primary. More often than not, on the national polling, uh, Trump leads, and he's led significantly right. uh, on it. Right. Now, at times, he only, he may have 40% to 28%, and that's the other problem. If you're not breaking, if you're not 60 70%, and everybody else is down, if you're at 40%, but you know that all those other people aren't going to vote for you, yeah. the people that are voting for the minor candidates, that they're not going to go your way, right. you're in trouble at that point. Right. But if you're looking at it from the fact that still he leads, he is the leader right now in the primary, but... In almost every single poll that's been done and your own internal polls that you do with the RNC, you see that it shows that Trump can't beat Biden. Right. And DeSantis can. That's the only thing that matters. Right. And, you know, then beyond that, if it is to be that uh, that voters decide that Trump isn't the guy and then he's not the, you know, by the time we get to whatever may of next year and he's not the presumptive nominee uh you know does he become the spoiler now there are a couple of things there 
he could choose to be the spoiler and say, look, I'm going to run as an independent and, you know, and, and then go that direction. Or he could do the opposite of what Ted Cruz did and, you know, the whole vote your conscience thing. And he could actually support DeSantis, but hit some of his supporters may decide, no, I'm not going to do that. Even with Trump's endorsement, they either stay home or go a different direction. And, and that's something you have to consider. 86690 Red Eye. In Philadelphia Thursday, President Biden presented his administration's budget request for the 2024 fiscal year by telling his audience once again Iran to grow the economy from the middle out and the bottom up and not the top down. And I think the budget that he's presented to Congress is reflective uh, of the desire to do that. That last voice, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, who took time out for meetings in Florida to talk with reporters about the USDA's part of the budget proposal, which would be about $28 billion less than the current year. Vilsack listed a number of budget priorities, for example, during the last two years. With uh, resources from the infrastructure law, uh, we were able to temporarily increase pay uh, for our uh, wildland firefighters. But money for that will expire September 30. So it's necessary and important for us to invest the resources to make that pay increase permanent. Also, Vilsack wants to boost funding for child nutrition and beginning farmer programs. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 truck stop at exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store and of course the super truck showroom stocked with plenty of chrome lights and more while you're there don't forget to visit the iowa 80 trucking museum next door it's free the entire team at the iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you they look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years sending you a giant thank you from iowa 80 the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up following the bottom of the hour, uh, we'll have the opening remarks yesterday from uh, Michael Schellenberger mm. at the House Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. And uh, it was uh, Matt Taibbi and, uh, and uh, Schellenberger, just a few of the uh, reporters, the, the journalists that brought you the Twitter files. It was an amazing day yesterday, yeah, and the Democrats' yeah. response was just absolutely horrendous. I mean, they tried to peg them as... You know, stooges of uh, of, uh, of of Trump uh, that they did it for the money. You know, you name it. That yep. uh, yeah. you know, they need to give them their sources. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. But very quickly, Fauci. Uh, I said he was on uh, uh, Brett Barrett. It was Neil Cavuto. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I said at it the right. beginning of the show. You said you said Neil Cavuto. Cavuto yeah. And then uh, last yeah. hour you said Brett Barrett. Sorry, I made the. Uh, but uh, uh, he he was on, and uh, he he seemed to be. Uh, I didn't. I didn't have anything to do with the decision to keep uh, Robert Redfield, who, by the way, at the time was the head of the CDC. Mm, yeah, he was the head of the CDC at that time. Yeah, right. And it's like these other evolutionary. Well, why wasn't he in there? Well, if you didn't make the decision, who made the decision? Right. You really nobody's willing to answer that question. But why wasn't the head of the CDC, who had a contradictory opinion, why wasn't he in that meeting? Right. And and Fauci defendant says, well, others had the the different opinion too, and suspected it came from the lab leak. Well, then the question is, how did they change in two days? Exactly. Under under oath, right? Under oath, yeah, is what I want. Yep. Interviews don't matter now. Everything is, has to be under oath uh, in that case. So mm-hmm. uh, the other thing is, uh, we we touched on it uh, earlier. Uh, Biden's budget came out. Mm-hmm. You can talk about how it's going to skyrocket. How it would skyrocket. Uh, uh, taxes, yeah, and and skyrocket the uh, the deficit, but it's dead on arrival. Yeah, yeah, because gonna... the majority of the tax increases he proposes, the Democrats turned down. And Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Well, DeSantis has his memoir. Trump has his book coming out. Have you heard about it? Oh. Details coming up after our audio cut of the day. All right. Uh, want to want to play uh, uh, this. This is the opening remarks from uh, Michael Schellenberger. Mm. Uh, who uh, was uh, part of, still part of, uh, the uh, reporters uh, that have released uh, the uh, the Twitter files? We've talked about it a lot uh, today because it was mesmerizing, to, at least to me. And it was, I think, I think conservative media should spend more time on it because it really showed the direction in where Democrats are going to attack <laughs> liberal reporters, liberal reporters who believe yeah. in journalism, but. The one thing is, they should have expected this, seriously, because it actually happened roughly 23 years ago. Hmm. Yeah. When Bernard Goldberg wrote his book. Yeah. Bias. Yeah. He's liberal. Yeah. But he wrote that when, when he finally realized, when a contractor who worked on his house finally showed him the bias in the media, and because he reported it, he was then viewed as a 
right winger. I'll never forget USA Today. It was, I think it was on the front page. The right wing authors and the success they're having. And it was like, you know, uh, Sean had written his book and Coulter had written his book. And so it's all, and then right in the middle of it is, <laughs> it's, uh, um, um, I got to think of his name now, uh, Bernard Goldberg. Yeah. Bernard Goldberg's right. book right there, right wing writers. And I went, he's not right wing. He's yeah. certainly for yeah. journalism. Right. So that was 20 years ago, over mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So if you were a journalist back then and wish to not be biased, you were also, you could also land as a right winger. So they attempted to portray, uh, both Taibbi and Schellenberger as, you know, loyal to Trump. Um, loyal to Republicans, wanting to do it only for the money, not cooperating because they won't tell them their sources, and the journalists must release their sources, and then we'll tell you what your sources are, we'll define your sources for you. It was really, really an amazing moment yeah. to see the left really mm-hmm. losing it. Mm-hmm. But I want to play the opening statement from uh, Michael Schellenberger. We've also played uh, before and read uh, his stuff on climate change. And he's yeah. also unique. He's yeah. very much like Bjorn Lumberg. He believes that uh, man made, you know, that man has affected climate change mm. through the global warming gases, or is it the climate change gases anymore? I don't know what it is. Mm. He believes they impact it, but he believes what the left is doing is completely wrong. So he's a unique guy yeah. in this day and right. age. Right. But here's what he had to say. In his 1961 farewell address, President Dwight Eisenhower warned of, quote, the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Eisenhower feared that the size and power of the complex, or cluster, of government contractors and the Defense Department would, quote, endanger our liberties or democratic processes. How did he mean that? Through, quote, domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment, project allocations, and the power of money. He feared public policy would become the captive of a scientific technological elite. Eisenhower's fears were well-founded. Today, American taxpayers are unwittingly financing the growth and power of a censorship industrial complex run by America's scientific and technological elite, which endangers our liberties and democracy. I'm grateful for this opportunity to offer this testimony and sound the alarm over the shocking and disturbing emergence of state-sponsored censorship in the United States of America. The Twitter files, state attorneys general lawsuits, and investigative reporters have revealed a large and growing network of government agencies, academic institutions, and non-governmental organizations that are actively censoring American citizens, often without their knowledge, on a range of issues. I do not know how much of the censorship is coordinated beyond what we have been able to document, and I will not speculate. I recognize that the law allows Facebook, Twitter, and other private companies to moderate content on their platforms. And I support the right of governments to communicate with the public, including to dispute inaccurate information. But government officials have been caught repeatedly pushing social media platforms to censor disfavored users and content. Often these acts of censorship threaten the legal protection social media companies need to exist, Section 230. If government officials are directing or facilitating such censorship, notes one law professor, it raises serious First Amendment questions. It is axiomatic that the government cannot do indirectly what it is prohibited from doing directly. Moreover, we know that the U.S. government has funded organizations that pressure advertisers to boycott news media organizations 
and social media platforms that refuse to censor and or spread disinformation, including alleged conspiracy theories. The Stanford Internet Observatory, the University of Washington, the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab, and Graphica have all inadequately disclosed ties to the Department of Defense, the CIA, and other intelligence agencies. They work with multiple U.S. government agencies to institutionalize censorship research and advocacy within dozens of other universities and think tanks. It is important to understand how these groups function. They are not publicly engaging with their opponents in an open exchange of ideas. They aren't asking for a national debate over the limits of the First Amendment. Rather, they are creating blacklists of disfavored people and then pressuring, cajoling, and demanding that social media platforms censor, deamplify, and even ban the people on those lists. The censorship industrial complex combines established methods of psychological manipulation, some developed by the U.S. military during the global war on terror, with highly sophisticated tools from computer science, including artificial intelligence. The complex's leaders are driven by the fear that the Internet and social media platforms empower populist, alternative, and fringe personalities and views which they regard as destabilizing. Federal government officials, agencies, and contractors have gone from fighting ISIS recruiters and Russian bots to censoring and deplatforming ordinary Americans, and disfavored public figures. Importantly, the bar for bringing in military-grade government monitoring and speech-countering techniques has moved from, quote, countering terrorism to, quote, countering extremism to countering simple misinformation, otherwise known as being wrong on the Internet. The government no longer needs a predicate of calling you a terrorist or an extremist to deploy government resources to counter your political activity. The only predicate it needs is simply the assertion that the opinion you expressed on social media is wrong. These efforts extend to influencing and even directing conventional news media organizations. Since 1971, when the Washington Post and New York Times elected to publish classified Pentagon papers about the war in Vietnam, journalists have understood that we have a professional obligation to report on leaked documents whose contents are in the public interest. And yet in 2020, the Aspen Institute and Stanford Cyber Policy Center urged journalists to, quote, break the Pentagon Papers principle and not cover leaked leaked information to prevent the spread of disinformation. Government-funded censors frequently invoke the prevention of real-world harm to justify their demands for censorship. But the censors define harm far more expansively than the Supreme Court does. Increasingly, the censors say their goal is to restrict information that delegitimizes governmental industrial, and news media organizations. That mandate is so sweeping that it could easily censor criticism from any part of the status quo, from elected officials to institutions to laws. Congress should immediately cut off funding to the censors and investigate their activities. It should mandate instant reporting of all conversations between social media executives, government employees, and government contractors concerning content moderation. And finally, Congress should limit the broad permission given to social media platforms to censor deplatform and spread propaganda. Thank you very much. There you go, Michael uh, Schellenberger. It's really interesting because when they're talking about all these organizations, you know, on the left is pushing for uh, for for censorship and to stop uh, disinformation. I like malinformation that uh, Matt Taibbi came up with earlier. And malinformation is well, if we believe it's wrong, it shouldn't be put on there. Right. And and the funny thing is, the people pushing this are the people that actually are the ones that, number one, uh, said, censor a true story, the Hunter Biden laptop story, mm. which, which again, that leads to possible influence peddling, illegal influence peddling, because influence peddling we know was there. It's whether it's illegal or not, but that's when you connect the dots, that's what you're attempting to find of a current president of the United States and then COVID and the origins of COVID. 
Think about it. Yeah. And they're the ones promoting censoring what actually turns out later on to be actually legitimate, true, or now the most favored uh, theory of the origin of COVID. So the ones that are trying to censor disinformation by doing so are the purveyors of some of the biggest disinformation in American history. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you know, they were shaping this as, oh, you know, this, uh, big, uh, nefarious thing, because remember when the Facebook thing happened and it's, well, see, this is Russian disinformation. They started with that. And why did they, why did they start there? Well, because they were, they believe people were already schooled on the whole Russian interference with the election, right? Mm -hmm. Of 2016. And then, you know, uh, the, the whole, uh, Russian hoax thing that they stayed on forever. And then the Facebook thing. And what was it? Roughly a hundred thousand dollars in advertising, which is, you know, not a lot in terms of digital advertising, but they, but they wanted, and then it was, well, any, any kind of disinformation, misinformation, and we're going to, and, and by the way, uh, they're all still involved to a certain extent on that front. Well, we're going to go after disinformation. I know that Elon Musk has brought a, you know, a whole new, uh, mission statement to Twitter, but really, if you look at social media as a whole, it is still about controlling the narrative and making sure that their narrative reigns, that it is the only narrative that is not disinformation when you and I and countless others punch holes in it every day. The border is secure. Exactly. That's disinformation. Right. That is, that you know, that is a, a, a lie. Uh, what's the, uh, yesterday, um, uh, one of the Democrat leaders said it uh, again, uh, you know, real wages are rising. Right. That's disinformation. It's right. false. Right. Uh, Biden, I uh, was part of the civil rights movement. Biden, I was part of the civil rights. <laughs> I mean. Exactly. Inflation is going down. Right. That's misinformation. It's constantly coming from the people that are screaming that we need to stop disinformation. Right. As in the next sentence, they have disinformation. Yeah. And I guess to the point when the Department of Homeland Security, was it Nina Jankowitz? Yeah. Put her in yeah. as the czar <laughs> of disinformation. And they went back in her history and looked at her social media. And everything was disinformation. Yeah. I mean, it was like the biggest stories out there. She was promoting the lies of it. Yep. And so they had to say, okay, this is over by. You're gone. And then when they interviewed Mayorkas, you saw that interview here just in the last couple of weeks. Mm. Where he, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything. Yeah, right. You, you're hiring somebody for disinformation uh, to, to to be the czar of disinformation, and you didn't check their social media mm-hmm. to make sure they had a history of promoting the truth? Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. that's what's so bizarre about yeah. the whole thing. Right. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Now, this could be quite entertaining. Uh, DeSantis had his book, 
Donald Trump is coming out with his book, but it's not the kind of book you might think on policy and things like that. It is that Trump printing a book. It's his celebrity Rolodex in a new book featuring 150 private letters sent to him Mm. by celebrities like Oprah Winfrey, Kim Jong-un, and other high-profile figures over the last 40 years. Mm. Uh, with, by the way, his comments, each uh, excerpt includes a photo of said celebrity and, of course, the former commander-in-chief's original commentary regarding his celebrity pen pal, <laughs> uh, according to winning trim, uh, excuse me, winning team uh, Trump team. Uh, here, one of the letters is from Oprah, and this is where it gets good. One of the highlights is a 2000 note from from Oprah, wrote after he announced that he was mulling running for the president with the Reform Party. Quote, too bad we're not running for office. What a team! Trump had gushed at the time. <laughs> the message was in response uh, to Trump forwarding her a glowing excerpt from his 2000 book, The America We Deserved, in which he declared Winfrey would be his first choice for vice president. Americans respect and admire Oprah for her intelligence and caring. Trump had gushed at the time, adding that if he couldn't get Oprah, he'd like his VP to be someone like her. Oprah wrote in the message uh, that the apprentices, the apprentice creator's praise made her feel weepy and fawning. It's one thing to try and live a life of integrity, still another to have people like yourself notice. Oh, my Oh, that didn't age well. <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. <laughs> what? 150 other celebrities? Fake I, news. Uh, Fake news. Uh, I, may, uh, I may buy the book. <laughs> Jeffrey, no, <laughs> just, <laughs> just to read. Holy. I don't know that you'll have to. No, you're right. You're right. It will you're, you're be have to write. every page of that book is going to be promoted somewhere for free. It's going to be posted somewhere for free. Wow. Yeah. It will be an interesting read. (laughs) It will, yes. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen.